Hi guys, this is Doug Fletcher. Welcome back to What's the Hazard. It is Friday, December 18th. We are one week from Christmas. Um, as you can tell, I'm speaking through a mask, so I apologize if that is disruptive or difficult. Um, I had a COVID test earlier this week, as I was mentioning to Jim. I had my COVID test, came back negative. I know we with that's not absolutely certain, but... Um, I'm pretty sure that I have a cold, and so uh, we will maintain social distance, and we will keep our hands off of our faces or each other's faces, whatever, you know. So um, welcome back to What's the Hazard, everybody. This is uh, the end of calendar year 2020, probably Ooh. our last episode of the year. Uh, it's been a fantastic year, really exciting. I'm looking forward to 2021. Um, it's been a rush. I, I've really enjoyed it. Um, before we get started, I need to thank our sponsors, uh, the folks that have helped promote this podcast, pay for the podcast, sponsor the podcast. It's been incredible. I couldn't be more appreciative of what they've done for me. CCS Group, Custom Concrete Specialists out of Seward, Nebraska, Cheyenne Wolford, Josh Lose, and that entire cr crew down there. Uh, thank you, Cheyenne. Uh, I mean that sincerely for your support. If you are... If you are a company looking for a mentor, if, if you are looking to, to model your safety program after someone, you, you couldn't pick a better mentor than CCS Group. It is, it is remarkable. It's not a very big operation, a uh, little family-owned operation, you know, but they do a remarkable job with safety, and uh, I've been very impressed. It's a pleasure to work with them. Safety Reports, Steve Polich and everybody over at Safety Reports, thank you, Steve. You were the first sponsor of the podcast, and uh, I know you understand how much I appreciate it. And then my guest today is Jim Cover, Program Manager of Nebraska Department of Labor On-Site Consultation Group. And somehow, Jim was able to finagle sponsorship, which is in and of itself a remarkable feat, man, to be able, to, from the government, to be able to sponsor something like this. I think we both believe in what we're doing Definitely. and the intention behind it. And, man, uh, I hope you know how much I appreciate well, it. Well, I, I just appreciate all you do, Doug. It was my honor to try and get that swung over for you. It was remarkable. Now, I will say that the, the contract <laughs> was about 37 pages. Well, you know, but, different lawyers have to have something. To <laughs> but I think we're living up to it. I, you know, I think, I think we're, so. I think we're accomplishing what we're trying to accomplish anyway. So my guest today, Jim Cover, Program Manager at Onsite Consultation. Um, this is a fitting end to the year, man. Thanks for, thanks for coming out. Oh, no problem. It's always an honor. I appreciate it. Um, I don't have any real observations to make. We were talking a little bit about the COVID and, um, you know, my experiences. I've actually been tested three times that, you know, that mm -hmm. deep nasal. I don't know what the name of that test is, but it's, uh, it's an interesting test. You mean the real one or the? The one where they the jam that thing one. down to your, uh, your, your spinal cord yeah. uh, through your sinus cavity. And beyond, it's interesting because um, they get it in there, and you think, "Oh, okay, that's not bad." And then they go about another six inches, and then you're like, "Holy shit!" And all of a sudden, mm -hmm. I'm making like squeaky little girl noises. Yeah. No disrespect to girl, you know, tough as nails, but it, 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 I cannot not make a noise, man. I don't think we're meant to penetrate our nasal cavities that far <laughs> on it, you know. I would think awake. that maybe that's, you know, the screwdriver response as a child or something. Is probably oh, man. Trying to keep it up. But I know you you mentioned that uh, yeah, you I had, had some one. experience. Yeah, I had one. It wasn't that, I mean, it was very, I mean, painless. I mean, it probably wasn't maybe accurate because I, I was deathly ill and it came back negative. But <laughs> um, I think they've 
done better since then. I mean, back in July was still back in, you know, nobody really knew what was going on. So I think they've made strides firming up the test now. And you, and you have fully recovered. I fully recovered. I mean, there's some weird things that, I mean, not as bad as what some people I know have had. I mean, I had one friend who was down for almost a month. Oh, my. And his wife was actually in the hospital for a month and on a ventilator for two weeks. Oh. And they're younger than I am. Oh, that sounds horrible. And, um, I, I mean, I remember calling him every so many days to check in, and there was kind of touch and go there for a few days with her. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, man. But she's, she's doing all, all right now. All better now. I mean, I, I'm sure there'll be some side effects show up. It sounds like there are lingering effects, but, no, she's out of the hospital and recovering fully. But, you know, for two weeks there, he was kind of like almost didn't want to call. Yeah. Because it was because the last time I had talked to him, I don't before she turned, he was like, yeah, the doctors say we've got about two days before. Oh, my. We, there's not a turn for the better. Let's, we need to start preparing ourselves. And I'm like, this, oh, that's, this, this just got real. That's so terrible. But I'm, then other people, they have it for a day, and they're back out. I know. It is It is amazing. Well, as I, you know, I told you, I, I just woke up Monday morning, and I just had that odd, tingly sensation mm-hmm. in the back of my sinus, kind of a little bit of uh, a congestion. And uh, I've had colds before, certainly, and it seemed to me like cold symptoms, something that I've experienced before, but I went in and got tested. Yep. And, uh, you know, it came back negative, but as, as we've discussed, you know, that isn't absolute certainty, and so... No, even today, I think there's some, you know, uncertainty on either because of false positives or false negatives, and, that, and it sounds like, you know, certain tests are more accurate than others. With, without question. And, and they're talking about... Over-the-counter home testing. I mean, can you imagine? No. I mean, it just seems so outrageous to me. No, that's kind of like your home chemistry set with nitroglycerin. I mean, it's... Well, it's like... uh, It's almost like, you know, there are those home lead test kits Mm -hmm. that have become somewhat popular. We certainly would not, as industrial hygienists, we certainly would not accept that. No. As a definitive, maybe it's just a a screening of some sort. It's probably there, but... We don't know that for sure. There, I, I just wonder, you know, how many people are going to do the home test and get a negative, and then think that they're safe to go out in the world. Well, see, I kind of think that's kind of the way I did mine too, because I went through a drugstore drive-through window. <laughs> right. and, and I'm doing, I'm reading the directions, and they're walking me through this, and I'm like, okay, I'm pretty good at sampling. Right, and I know how to do this, and I'm like, you really want me to do it this way? Because I didn't think it was the right way when I was going through their directions. Oh yeah, that's what we want you to do. So. And then do they watch you? Yeah, they, they do. They observe you through the window, do it, and then they okay. uh, broke off the swab, and there was a little test tube with some type of, I'm guessing, a preservative. Mm-hmm. You dunked it in there and cl- capped the lid and put it in a little foam package for insulation, and they had an insulated drop box, like like one car length past the drive through window. Okay. But when I went there, the drive through was like 20 cars deep. Oh, my, yeah. And, and you better have a tank of gas when you got there because you're going to be <laughs> right, idling for about right. an hour and a half. Right, some kind of rations and yeah. gasoline and everything else in order. Yeah, now, had, I, had I do it over again, I would probably have gone to test Nebraska or yeah. one of the hospitals or yeah. something. But. I have gone to my my uh, personal phys- physician. His office just happens to be immediately across the parking lot from where my office is located. So oh, that's good I literally just walk over there, and he has a little like a little tent set up outside of the office where you you, mm-hmm. you call them and let them know you're out there standing in the freezing cold, and then you walk into the little tent, and then they garb up and come out yeah. and jam that two by four into your four you know into your face. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Well, well, man, um, I am certainly glad that you're you're better, man. Oh, I'm, thank you. I'm glad to hear that. You too. And um, yeah, as, as are you. I'm sure you are too. So, um, I've been thinking about what we would, what we should talk about today. Um, 
one of these days, we are going to talk about just old war stories. I mean, you and I have been working <laughs> basically parallel lives since 1996 in yeah, this industrial long, hygiene world, and we have common friends and acquaintances and some not friends in the profession. <laughs> I, I just think it would be really interesting for the listeners to hear some of those stories, but I also realize you have bills to pay and need your job, and so... Um, yeah, we're going to have to wait a while. We're going to hold off on that for a little while, man. So one thing I would like to talk about, and I would love your perspective on this, you know, as a professional, um, I, obviously you are a very accomplished professional. You're the program manager of, this, of the on-site consultation group. You've been, in, you've been hanging pumps for 25 years, 30 years, whatever that is. Um, I'm interested in your take on certifications, and the reason I mention this is because my certifications, um, I, I went through the CIH and CSP certifications back when the government was paying for all of that, and they are about to lapse, and they are, they are going to lapse this year. And, um, you know, while that's fine, uh, you know, I, I got them back in 2004, and so it's, it's been a f- couple of recertification cycles, and I'm due to recertify again, and I just, I just don't have it in me to recertify again. Uh, I was trying to calculate how much money I've paid on annual dues for a CIH and a CSP. I've dropped about five grand on wow. annual dues over the last 15 years. And so it's time, you know, it's just time to let them go. I, but I, I know so many outstanding safety professionals that don't have certifications. Um, what, 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 I mean, what, you obviously could pass these certifications. Why have you not done so? Well, you know, and I well, actually there for a while I was studying to go I was actually to go with the CSP route because you get the CSP and that would count for the front half of the CIH mm-hmm. back eons ago. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, if I'm going to do this, I might as well get two tickets out of this, the CSP and the and the CIH. And I started it actually I went to a, a CSP prep class and got all tuned up to do it. And then uh ended up getting married and having kids and and then I got to think thinking about it more, and I'm not saying that it's it's not a good thing. I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing at all, but I was never going to leave Nebraska. And I was finding out that really the only thing I would ever probably use them for is if I went outside of Nebraska to get a job. So all things being equal, do I really mm-hmm. need to put that much money, time, and effort and, and, and investment into it? And I just kind of let it slide. Right. But did no, they I, encourage you to do that? They at, did, at the but you know, that was the one thing. I, I could have gotten a CIH and a PhD, and I'd get paid the same money I was making already. There was mm-hmm. no, no, no incentive really to. Really, no. And and I guess me being greedy and or lazy, I just no. decided I'm like, you know, I don't have much more things I got to do with my time than that for no other reason. And if I'm not going to leave, why pursue it? But, I, you know, and I've not, like you, I've known so many people that were, talented and knowledgeable and didn't have a designation and then i'd have to I'd be if i had to have to be honest and say i've known people that would be quite the opposite they had mm-hmm. the designation but getting across the parking lot might prove a challenge <laughs> to some right. of them so no I mean, doubt i mean no doubt so i mean it, it, it goes, i think it's just whatever what do you want to do with it interesting you know or where, where are you going what are your goals in life because like if i wanted to go work for gm as an industrial hygienist I need to go get my CIH. Mm-hmm. Or if I'm going to work for Teneco or right. know, DuPont, that's where that comes into play. But, you know, the government, like the feds, federal government, they still would really like their people to all have those. Mm-hmm. And they They're still pu- it. pushing that, are they? Uh, not, as, not as hard as they were when you were going through it, mm-hmm. but it's still encouraged. Okay. And they encourage it with us, too. But 
Yeah, but you're, you make such a good point, man. And I remember, um, you know, I left DOD. I started with DOD. Uh, I didn't even know what a certification was at mm-hmm. that point. No one I worked with had a certification, and no one asked about it or was encouraging that. And I went to work for Terracon, yep. which is a fairly large consulting company. And, man, they told me, um, you're hired, but we want you to get certified. And they, they wanted it simply for the letterhead. They wanted yeah. to be able to put, you know, CIH or CSP on the letterhead, right? I mean, that was it. It didn't. It, it, it is a rule of thumb for people. I mean, it's a, a gauge. Out in the private will. sector. Yeah. More I mean, I'm not going to say that it's not. I mean, there's, if you get those letter designations behind your name, you know, when people start thumbing through the yellow pages, you're going to show up probably better, yeah, I suppose. I suppose. Um, it was interesting. You know, as you mentioned, um, John Henshaw was the assistant secretary for OSHA uh, at one time while I was working for OSHA, and he was a CIH. Uh, came out of industry, and he was very uh, in favor of certifications. And so at that time, OSHA, you know, was really generous. They offered to pay for mm-hmm. a review class, and they paid. They actually gave me administrative leave to prepare, and oh. then they paid for the test. And so at that time, I was incredibly fearful that I didn't, ha- I wouldn't be able to pass. I mean, I think everyone that takes it is like, oh my god, what does this say about me if I can't pass it? You know, I mean. Yeah. What, how I'll let the re- reflect on me, but, but you know, Mr. Henshaw was willing to pay the bill, and so I took the review class, and I took an, a week of administrative leave and crammed my ass off and then took the test, and, and um, you know, while I was with the government, they continued to pay for technical training, and so the recertifications were easy. Uh, now that I've been, a, in, you know, working on my own, self-employed for seven years. Those classes you know, just start falling off the tree. All of that right? comes out of your yeah. pocket, right? If you want to... If you want to go to a conference or go to a class, you're paying for it out of pocket, plus you're not working during that week or two or whatever it is. And so I just, man, it became very difficult for me. I mean, for, I mean you already having it, I, I, I don't know. I'd, be, I'd have a hard time letting it go. But I, I also see where you're coming from, too. I mean, and your reputation's sterling here anyway. So, I mean, Nobody's going to say, well, Doug, let his CIH laps. We're not going to use them anymore. You know? <laughs> well, I mean, we're, we're about, about to find out. <laughs> but, <laughs> we'll see. But, I mean, I wish I would have known about it when I came out of college. And that's been my biggest complaint is that, you know, I I don't have a technically an engineering degree, but I had some engineering. Mm-hmm. And so all the stuff, like for the CSP especially, mm-hmm. it's more engineering oriented than I'd probably say safety because they're like – I remember doing the prep class. I'm like, well, these are all engineering questions. Where's the safety kick in? And I remember the one safety question was, what does a glass bulb in the 1920s have in it to put out fires? And I'm like, seriously? <laughs> this is one of your safety <laughs> right, questions? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, but it, had I known that coming out of college, I probably would have done that. I would have probably, because yeah. all my math would have been fresh, all my chemistry would have been fresh, and physics. And But and like me, if I wait 10 years, Everything I've learned is pretty much gone, so I got to start over again. That's where I was. Yeah. And then I just everything, you know, life happened, and it just it was like, why am I doing this? And I'm right. like, what, if I'm never going to leave here, and I'm like the job I have, and I don't have to have it. That's that's where I left it at. That's, that's exactly right, and I think that's true of a number of our colleagues. I mean, we know guys. Obviously, Phil could pass that test without probably studying. The guy is so smart. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I do remember that. You know, when Mr. Henshaw was pushing this, it became really important to the regional administrators, oh, of yeah. course, For and then it became really important to the area directors, and simply so that they could check a block. Mm-hmm. You know, I can remember Ben coming back 
on a regular basis asking who was taking the test. Are you going to take the test? Yep. Are you going to pass the test? I mean, he just I think there was a block somewhere to be checked. and it, they, It's also to make a book shiny somewhere at the end of the semester. Absolutely. Or quarter or yep. annum, whatever they track and, yeah. and say how many bodies are buried in the hole somewhere. Exactly. So, yeah. I think so, too. I, I, I just bring it up because I see a, um, the only – social media that I do is LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't do any of the others. And um, I see a lot of um, young people on LinkedIn who have just passed their CSP or they've just passed a CIH and they're incredibly proud, as you would expect. And they post that. And um, since it is kind of a job networking um, opportunity, I, I suppose that that may or may not lead them somewhere, you know, to that next opportunity. But like you, I'm, I'm like you, man. I'm not going anywhere. Uh, my clients know me they've known me for 20 years 30 years whatever and that's not going to change anything and you know, I, I just had a thought occur to me as I'm, I'm raising an engineer a budding engineer right now nice and uh i'm thinking that's when i said i wish i had known this um i will be mentioning to him is there's a, there's a, there's an experience requirement i know for the csp you have to have so many years in the field or something yeah i think so i don't know if the cih is the same way or not probably but I was just thinking, like, this kid could pass this, either one of these standing on his head. Mm-hmm. He just can't take it yet. Yeah. But that's not a bad, that's so, not a bad uh, idea, I mean, man. When he gets out of college, it's going to be to say, Dad suggests you maybe think about this. Is and, he an industrial engineer or is he a... Well, we haven't figured. It's either aerospace or industrial or, okay. or uh, what's the civil, mm-hmm. civil route. But mm-hmm. he, uh, well, he's taking his fourth UNL math class. No kidding. So after this next semester, if things go go right he'll have his entire math requirement for being an engineer wiped out before he sets foot on campus <laughs> oh my god yeah so i mean it, it's uh good for it, you it's man. interesting because I, I see his math sitting on the table and i, I consider myself somewhat intelligent mm-hmm. and i look at what's on the table and it's all i can do not to run screaming out of the house <laughs> right, and right. like like Seriously. Don't recognize it at all yeah it's, but and hit like in that case i'm like yes that's gonna be make you so much more marketable yeah but for me well, yeah, I don't know. No, I'm with you. I mean, uh, it it really, I, I it may have been a consideration in the federal government when promotions came up. Uh, certainly at that time when Henshaw sure. was around, that probably did have some impact. But much like you, man, I wasn't going anywhere. I never applied for a job within OSHA outside of Nebraska. I this is where my home is, and this yeah. is where I wanted to stay. And so, uh, I think I got a handshake. And that was about it. There was no pay increase. There was no, you know, there was nothing like that. Uh, I, Mr. Atkins did give me, um, like, uh, one of those little uh, blocks of granite that you sit on your desk oh. that says, you know, has your name on it. And the, and that was That's nice. Cool. I still have that. <clears throat> and uh, that was about the extent of it. So, you know, man. I but, think it's just about what, what do you want to get out of it? Yeah. You know. Yeah. What 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 is your ambition? What are you looking yeah. for? I think that's a and you know some people collect those, you know just just because they like having those those designations. Yeah, and I guess I've always been somewhat ambivalent about it. if I could do my job acceptably, then yeah. that should be good enough. I but, would agree. But well, we're about to find out, man. I I, I <laughs> can tell you, I, I, come January first, I could possibly forget everything that I've ever known, and we'll you know, but we'll see how that works. I, I will say that. In seven years, I have probably had two people contact me specifically asking for a CIH. They wanted someone to review a sampling mm-hmm. uh, event or they wanted me to review data or something and just sign off on it. That's it. Two times in seven years. And so 
<coughs> again, not to dismiss it. I mean, I well, you know, congratulations if you've done it and accomplished it. But at this point, it's. Um, I can see too, like if you're going to be a professional witness, something like that would come into play, you know. But for doing, I think what you do and I do, yeah, is it necessary? Not, ne- I don't think it's it's necessary. Yeah. Is it a good thing? It's not a bad thing. Sure, it's not ne- not a bad yeah. thing at all, and it, it's a personal challenge. And maybe sometimes we need personal challenges, but maybe you do. <coughs> but I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know who I'm okay. kidding, but. But it, it's interesting you say that because the expert witnessing is probably where those things would be useful. I mean, there's some people, you know, that's, the, that's their job Yeah. now. Mm-hmm. They fly across the country doing that type of thing. And right. Yeah, I that's a good point. See, I could see it for that, but. I, I may uh, not have a lot of expert wis- witness requests in the future, but <clears throat> that's okay too, man. I have done some of that. <coughs> Excuse me. I always find that incredibly it seems incredibly interesting when the when the opportunity is offered. You know, we have this case, and we need someone who knows something. We want to opine about, you know, mm-hmm. safety or, you know, walking, working surfaces or something. And I was oh, I'm, I'm in, you know. And then you start dealing with attorneys, and immediately you're like, oh, this sucks. Yeah. You know, that's been my experience. So I don't think I'll miss that either, frankly. But Yeah, I, I, I've, I've never had the opportunity to participate in such things. And well, you I'm will. glad I haven't. You probably will. You know, when you're tenure at the the DOL. They can find me on the beach or the mountains. I guess that's <laughs> right. good luck for, right. for them. <laughs> nice. All right, man. Well, enough of that. Um, and again, yeah, I, certainly that was not my intention to minimize anyone's pursuit of a credential. <clears throat> you know, good for you and keep up the good work if that's what you're interested in. But, you know, I've been thinking about it a lot because, you know, as you said, it, I've, it's been 15 years, and they're just about to lapse. And I, I do have some mixed emotions about that, probably. You know, it is what it is. So, <coughs> sorry, non-COVID. I, as I mentioned, <laughs> I tested negative. So, all right, man. The, the the one subject that I would like to talk about, um, and interestingly, you know, we have some colleagues that have been using the podcast for instruction in some of their classes. Some of the guys that we work with out in the community teach at Metro and other places like that, and they, they've they indicated that they are using some of the episodes for teaching That's some cool. of these students, these young safety students, which is really um, terrific. It, it makes me feel great about that. But So I thought maybe we could talk about something in particular, some s- very specific topics. <coughs> And I, I know that one of the topics that is of, of um, particular interest to you is confined spaces, permit-required confined spaces. Um, you know, you threw that out when I asked you what you would like to talk about. Tell me, tell me why. why. Why is that of interest to you? Well, I get, I get well, when I started working for the government, it was for um, the rest Department of Environmental Quality, which I, I think they have a different name now. I, it eludes me, but I, they've changed their names. It's NDEE for whatever that means. Yeah, I, it escapes me at the moment. But um, the job that I held the longest there, we were doing sampling, and it ended up, you know, it was always in, like, sewers or, or, mm-hmm. or outfalls from different plants. So where there's every confined space configuration imaginable for the most part. And it's probably the one thing, I guess, in my mind that I always feared because it can kill you and you never know it. Mm-hmm. You could just be walking along, and all of a sudden the lights go out, 
And the thing that always scared me further through training and reading about it was usually one person does, doesn't die. It's usually two or three because people try to rescue, and they end up in the same predicament that the per- first person that goes down was. And my, my boss at that time really drilled it into my head. I mean, we how didn't dangerous have, those were. Yeah, I mean, I mean, of course, at that time we didn't. I didn't have the internet yet. That's how old I am. <laughs> so I think I think he made me watch a oh, a, a, a VHS tape training thing, and then handed me a permit Facebook and said, "Read this. We'll discuss it later." And thank God he did because nobody else in that outfit took it seriously. Mm. He was the only one that really, you know, took it home. And I remember one of his. It was actually one of his past interns. She came back from doing a, a sewer somewhere, and I can't remember what where it was exactly, but she was down in, like several feet down in a sewer, talking about the yellow crystals all over the ladder rungs and the wiring. And my boss's jaw dropped, and he's like, uh, probably shouldn't say her name, but uh, Joyce, what do you know about mineralogy? You're a geologist. What's yellow? Sulfur. So there was free sulfur Mm-hmm. hanging all over everything depositing all over the surface so exactly how high were the hydrogen sulfide levels mm-hmm. in the space at different times to do that unbelievable and she had no meter uh, i think the person from wherever the facility was was with her so there's a memo of two bodies they would have found mm-hmm. eventually interesting but that was one and then you know, i worked and i farmed with my dad for years too and you know grain bins aren't really they aren't exactly you know quote unquote permit spaces they are but they're under a different standard and I, I mean, I, I know a friend of mine died in one, and that's just, you know, that's, it, it, it's the one thing that always bugged me, and one of the things I would insist on my industrial hygienists before they start on their own, if they don't get to go to the actual industrial, or permit class, you know, permit space class through OSHA, mm-hmm. they sit down with me and we go through it, mm-hmm. because, yeah. yeah, it I mean, I've seen so many weird things that you wouldn't, you wouldn't think twice about, but just because I was paranoid, I would use my, my foregas meter, and it would start screaming at me. I'm like, ooh, it's a good thing we didn't go blundering down there. Yeah. It's interesting you say that, man. I mean, it is not a, it's not a high-profile uh, hazard. Not like, I mean, you, we, we talk all the time about the OSHA top 10 most mm-hmm. frequently cited. It's never on that list. I, I wonder if, like, 20 years ago, if it wasn't more of an issue then. I think we've done Maybe our so. jobs, and then we've, we've – killed enough people and targeted enough people and find enough people that they've gotten away from it. But I can remember when I started, it was a something that we looked at pretty heavy. We, yeah. I remember, I remember going to trainings all the time about it cause they were being and doing case studies about it. They'd always find two, three, four bodies. Right. And right. Yes. Those were the, the horror stories that, that we were always um, talking about when we were in class. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, when I go into facilities now and, and you know, most people focus, most people have their, well, I should Many people have their machine guarding and their lockout tag out pretty tight now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, you know, again, it's something we talk about all the time. But you'll ask them about confined space entry, and they, they kind of, yeah, we got a few spaces, I think, you know, and maybe we have a sign up somewhere, and maybe they got an old dirty tripod shoved in a corner <laughs> somewhere. But I don't think that, you know, it is, uh, it's not, respected maybe to the same degree. Maybe no, it was, and, and I, we've just kind of let up on it or something. But I, I think the engineers and the architects have done a better job of trying to eliminate these things. And That's then, the, and I think there's a lot of specialization now where, like, things that used to that probably still hang out in confined spaces that the employers used to service or fix, now if it goes wrong, they call whoever 
fixes right. that, and they do it, and they have their specialized yes practices. I do, I do think there is uh, a considerable amount of that. There are people that specialize in mm-hmm. going into these hazardous spaces, and so as an employer, you probably don't want to do that. You certainly mm-hmm. don't want to have to train people up and equip them to no. do that. I mean, I, I think that's true. The cement, the ready mix was where I encountered it the most probably the last dozen years or so because the guys would go out and chip out drums. But now there's a, a, at least one, if not several different companies that you, you know, they, they schedule around them now where they park all the trucks in the parking lot and they come out and chip them all out at one time and their people go into them, you know, and do it. And your employees are sitting in the coffee, yeah. room, the coffee room having a smoke and a coffee with right. wait for it to get done. Right. But, yeah. If it's not something that you do routinely, you know, I think it's something that, you know, it, it, it still happens. Would be dangerous. There, yeah, there still are some companies that do that. Um, let's talk a little bit about just the elements of confined space entry. Um, it's interesting because I, I see a lot of uh, misunderstanding still. And when we talk oh, about, yeah. you know, the, ba- the three basic elements of what is a confined space, you know, we haven't even gotten to the permit required mm-hmm. space yet, but just a basic space, you know. Um, it is um, large enough so that you can enter and perform some kind of work activity, and so it's not like a coffee can, you know. I still see p- people that have a misconception of that. Well, this is a confined space. Well, you cannot enter it. You can't get in there. Yes, you can get a finger in there, but you can't get in there bodily and perform work. So, you know, number one. Uh, number two is limited means of entry and egress. Yep. Difficult to get in and out of, and I think the definition is really um, self-rescue is the thing that we're, could you, if you were having an issue in that space, could you get yourself out, or would the configuration of this space or the entry exit Mm -hmm. uh, availability limit that? And then the third one is uh, not designed for (laughs) continuous human occupancy, which is another one that I think people just don't really understand. And there has to be a hazard. And there has to be a hazard. Yeah, I mean, what? The know, we're not talking about the broom closet. Yeah, so, yeah and then I, that second to last one where you said the habitation things, that's that's had us going around in circles with different people over the years too because you'll have people that, well, it's not a, it's not a permit space. Why isn't it? Well, there's a chair and a desk down there. <laughs> right, you know, I that don't they've care. put down there. Yeah, I don't care if there's a lazy boy and a wet bar. <laughs> right. It's not made for habitation. It's right. It's, it's, yeah, it not, wasn't designed for that. Yeah. You, now you have actually. <laughs> yeah, so that's not that's not what the definition means. That's right. right. But A for effort. Yeah. So are you talking about the boot pit people, or what are you talking about? That's I mean, the one that comes to mind okay, the most. But there's, but there's been others. There's been yeah, others. there are. There's been others. But, yeah, that is that is one of the ones that sticks in my mind the most. But, but that having been said, there are situations where you can have spaces that do not meet the confined space definition. They do have you know, they have walkways intended for mm-hmm. humans. They have lighting intended for humans. They're, you can stand up. They're not, you're not crawling through no. these spaces. And they, maybe there are lubrication points on a piece of equipment or something. No. So they were intended for, but that yeah. doesn't mean there aren't hazards yeah. down there. I mean, it's, yeah, it, the egress is certainly one of the aspects in, in entry. Yep. So, I mean, that, they, they all have to come together to right. be a permit space. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it, it but... It is that convoluted. I mean, I've known professionals for years, and we can still sit here and have arguments over what different things mean. No doubt. So that's the other thing, always, the always other aspect. It's like, well, if we ourselves that do this day in, day out, still argue about things, what's your average run-of-the-mill employer supposed to do to try and sort all this out? I, mean, I, I so don't know. It's got to be incredibly confusing. It is. Yeah, the people we work with, 
we have we don't encounter them like we used to, but you know when you, I, I can remember when I would accidentally find one, like I wouldn't be expecting this, and I'd want it, and I'm like, oh god, this guy's got a permit space, mm-hmm. and then I'd have to sit down and go, okay, I'm sorry, sir, to do this to you, but mm-hmm. do your people go in there? Well, yeah, we go in there all the time. Okay, now we now we have to have a permit for confined space program, right? And do you have any idea? Well, we only go in once a year. I mean, yeah, it's not like yeah, we don't like, go in there that yeah, often. Yeah, I know, and it's like, whoa, it doesn't whoa, matter. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, you still die once a year. Yeah, once a year, that's so, right. Yeah, no so doubt. that was always a challenge for us, mm-hmm. or for me personally, because I'd be the one to have to break the news to them and say, yeah, we've we've got to address this. Right. But, you know, and it, and it is so many avenues to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can do it this way, you can do it that way, you can do it the other way, or you can just not do it at all. And... Ideally, there's a thousand you know variations in between, mm-hmm. to the point where I think it's the only. I might be wrong on this, but I think it's the only OSHA standard that they have a flow chart to try and help people decipher it. Oh, they do absolutely. I don't know of any other ones that they have a flow chart no, necessarily. Yeah, probably not. You're Unless right. It's, uh, um, but the permit uh, and and then they have those um, alternative mm-hmm. entry procedures and the reclassification yep. procedures, which make it even more convoluted. Because you have your basic permit entries, mm-hmm. you know, where you have uh, something that meets the definition of a confined space and hazards. Mm-hmm. And then you have the alternatives. If it's only an atmospheric that can be controlled by constant ventilation or something, I think that was for the utility yeah, people. It was. You know, and then we've got this reclassification. And I go into places all the time where yeah. they reclassify everything. And mm-hmm. while it's probably acceptable in some circumstances, um, like you, probably I am an let's err on the side of caution type of a person, and uh, you know they take one air sample, <laughs> yeah. They write that down on a napkin, and all of a sudden, well, there's no atmosphere, there's no potential yeah. for an atmospheric hazard here, so we're going to reclassify it. Yeah, when they, when they let the reclassification thing through, that was kind of a, I don't know, a good and a bad thing. Good in that, yeah, if you've been doing testing for 15 years and never had a problem, you can probably reclassify it. But then it also opened the door for. But we we took two tubes and pulled them, and we didn't have any hits, so we're just going to say it's declassified. <laughs> yeah, and that one is still really misunderstood, I think. And 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 it's not helpful either because it, I mean it, it can be so variable. Like I've case in points, uh, some below grade structures attached to grain facilities. When it's dry, we don't have an issue. You add some water infiltration in from below and some time with some organic matter. Yeah. You, what was perfectly fine two days ago might not be fine today. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if you don't have people that recognize that potential hazard, then it's a problem. And I've actually had a forecast meter go off a couple of times, and I just had just taken it with me for a lark because, like, well, we're going underground, probably should fire this thing up and see if it works, just say I used it. Mm-hmm. And we get 10 feet down there, and the oxygen levels start dropping, and the hydrogen sulfides meters or part of it starts squawking at mm-hmm. me and you're like okay we better look into this further and sure enough right and it doesn't happen often but i've had it happen before <clears throat> you know i had a when i was with osha i had a um there's probably a location manager at a grain elevator call me one time and he said you know doug and i don't mean to characterize him by you know by uh, using a voice but doug he goes my guys have been going into this boot pit um for years, and I make them do the air monitoring. Mm-hmm. I make them go through the procedure. They've never found anything, and they bitch and moan all the time. And he goes, and then this past fall, I think it was after a rain event, as you mm-hmm. just described, 
They'd opened up the boot pit. They dropped the probe down in there. You know, they did the, you know, kind of did the stratification sampling, top, mm-hmm. you know, three feet, six feet, whatever. And he goes, they got down to the bottom, and the alarm went off, and the oxygen level was about 6%. Yep. And he goes, thank God no one was hurt. And he goes, I've never had anybody bitch since, you know. But they'd been literally entering for years yeah. and complaining about having to go through all those steps. I had it happen at a feedlot one time. Now, it was a big feedlot. I mean, it wasn't, you know, a 100-head foot feedlot. But they had a great big cement silo where they would dump trucks above, and then there was a boot pit clear at the bottom. And, it, I mean, it was 100 feet down there, I bet. Mm-hmm. And they'd go down there all the time to grease the, the auger and the, and the belt and the pulleys on the, on the, on the leg. And uh, he was showing this to me, and I thought, you know what, just hold on a second. I'm going to throw my meter down there. Yeah, I got, I got about halfway down, and it started screaming. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how often do you go down there? <laughs> and they ended up putting a ventilation system in it then. Oh, good. So they yeah. would run that. I don't remember what we figured out for air changes, but they would run that for so ever long then before they do entries. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, but all it would have taken them in one, one time. One time. And like you said, the whole, uh, you know, we had uh, an incident, unfortunately, right before I left OSHA, one of our IHs was sent out to uh, a fatality, to uh, Jim Lightfoot. Remember Jimmy? Mm-hmm. He went out to do a fatality investigation. Uh, it had been in a boot pit, and uh, an employee had gone down into the pit, had not done anything, you know, along the lines of establishing safe entry conditions, yeah. just went into the pit, was overcome by oxygen deficiency, and uh, went down. And then mm-hmm. they called, and then, like, a deputy sheriff came out, of course, and started to go down in. And yep. uh, fortunately, the deputy sheriff realized something wasn't right and was able to self-rescue. I mean, maybe just a few feet down the mm-hmm. ladder and then realized, oh, this is not good and was able to get back out. But they closed, They, you know, the fire department rescued the individual and they closed the pit. And, and you know, by the time Jimmy got out there, 24, 36 hours later, whatever it was, the oxygen was still about 8%. Wow. I mean, it was horrifying. And just like you described in the beginning, man, these are usually multiple fatalities mm-hmm. because coworkers or friends or family are attempting yeah. a rescue and it just goes badly. Well, and, it, and, it can, and I use this story all the time. When I was going to uh, dear old UNL, um, I had an engineering class on East Campus. It was a Tuesday, Thursday class. We come walking up the afternoon, Tuesday afternoon, and I swear every fire truck in North Lincoln and ambulance is parked out in front of the hall and they're carting people out on stretchers and giving them oxygen. And they said, oh, class is canceled, come back Thursday. Come back Thursday, same thing again. Really? Well, so this 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 one howl I'm talking about, they, they that's where they do all their in, their irrigation studies. And the basement, underneath the basement, is um, I don't know how many th- tens of thousands of gallons of water system that they use for their their studies. They pump water through everything, pumps, sprinkler heads, pipes. And at that time, they were pioneering the use of drip oil to lubricate the the pumps mm-hmm. that was made out of soybean oil. So now we've gone from a mineral oil that's inorganic to an oil that's organic. We've put several hundred gallons inside of a water tank that's enclosed, oxygen deficient, and let it sit for a while. And then they decided to run up their experiments again. So it was the lab right before our class these two days, fired up the pumps and filled the whole hall full of hydrogen sulfide. Mm. They did it twice. Didn't kill anybody. Wow. But So here you have all these very highly educated people that are, Pretty much safe. They, you know, there was always safety lectures mm-hmm. and classes and did it to, them, to themselves twice before they figured out what was going on. They thought somebody had 
popped a, a, a stink bomb. Wow. But enough, but a stink bomb big enough to gas the entire <laughs> right. building is kind oh of incredulous. Goodness. But it took it, it happened twice. Wow. And I think it had, and I think it actually killed half of a family. I think it wasn't Iowa or Illinois, but it was a certain they were using the same and basic the principle. So, so the kid that shut the pump off, he didn't come back. Dad went to look for him. He didn't come back. Mom finally went to look for him. And luckily, she didn't try to rescue him. She went back to call for help. It saved the mother, but that's the damage was already yeah. done. I mean, and, that, and that's the thing that stick in my head. I mean, that's not yeah. industrial, but right. I mean, that's the tragedy. Same principles. Yeah, the tragedy. That's the tragedy that that occurs if people don't take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do. I do think. Um, yeah, those are those are horrific incidents. Those multiple fatality incidents. I mean, a single fatality obviously is horrible, but, but these are so heartbreaking because you and I, those of us that that do this for a living realize what has happened you know that initial that response i see someone who's in need yep i go in and uh you know the same result which is just terrible but well man there's a lot more we can talk about with regard to confined space i mean we're just scratching the surface but i think i think you and i both agree that um these spaces need to be respected we need to understand them what the potential hazards are in these spaces and then Understand how we establish safe entry conditions, whether we can or not. There may be circumstances where you can't, and yeah. you just don't go in. You know, yeah, then I've, I've encountered that quite a bit. Yeah, you know, and I always tell I me, mean, people call you on the phone, like you know, I, I can give you some guidance over the phone, but if you're, re- I mean, if you really truly have one of these and you're confused or don't think you know it well enough, please ask for help. I don't care who you call for help. You know, if it's us or a private consultant, safety counsel, whoever it is, but get somebody in there that has some experience yeah. to help you try and figure out what the hazards are and how to do it safely. Yeah, no doubt. It, I mean, it, it just, it it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't happen as much as it used to possibly, but the potential is still always there. Still there, and yeah. And dead is dead. I still see, yeah, I still see confined spaces on client sites that have not been identified. Yep. And um, when you ask, do you go in these? No, no, we don't go in these. Uh, I mean, once, maybe once a year or something, you know, as you said, yeah, you know, once is just as dead. So, and you know, I, I was always overkill. You know, there, you can do one or the other. You can either identify them all with signage or you can have a list that you train everybody on. And I'd always tell them do both. Yeah. At least then you have, you double your odds of somebody yeah. remembering don't go in there. I, I think those redundancies are important because, you know, signage just becomes kind of background noise after a yeah. while. It doesn't even really alert you to anything after a period of time. And so I think we need to take multiple approaches to keeping that And And I had fresh. some employers that they would actually lock it. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, it I wasn't, like if it wasn't something that, you know, that maybe a fire, you know, fire or something might start in, they would – I even had someone weld them shut. Yeah. Just tack them shut so you had yeah. to actually go get a grinder. You'd have to break it open yeah, and get in there. just because the potential was there and they didn't want anybody sneaking in there and – Right. What, what's in here? Yeah. yeah I've had that happen too. Curiosity. That well, you know, kills the cat. And yeah. Have your workforce if you're not careful. But yeah, yeah but that, that that was always my big, I mean, it, it was probably because of my, you know, first real job and the horrors that could have happened through. Because I think back on like it's one where we didn't have problems. Yeah. We didn't no have, doubt. We didn't have two-way of communication. We didn't have a retrieval system. Uh, we didn't have a bag phone in the truck. So I guess I could have called, and hopefully they would have been able to find it within mm-hmm. five minutes. Yeah, I know, man. Those were crazy times. But um, I remember, and, you know, and I tell my people now. I said, if you if you're going into these places and you don't have a forecast meter, you're not going into those places. Yeah, right. Exactly. So don't go. Yeah, no, I I and, agree, man. And you know, in calibration on the forecast meter, that's one thing with these things that always scares me too. I'll see these people have a forecast meter that's been sitting on the shelf for six years. 
And I said, so when was the last time you calibrated? Oh, the person that sold it to me said that it's, it self-calibrates. Mm-hmm. I just take it outside. Mm-hmm. Or they present a tube of cow gas that's 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> no doubt. And I think, I think the lifespan is basically a year for cow gas. Yeah. So, you know, if you're using yeah. these instruments to save your life, you might want to make sure that they're working optimally before you go marching into these places. That's good advice, man. I would agree. I, I see that same thing. They... Uh, they don't look like they get used regularly oftentimes, no. and um, it's hard to believe that they're calibrated correctly. They're not. I would agree. It's a rare day when I find one that's actually calibrated correctly. Yeah, I know, man. A lot to talk about. Well, um, I think the take-home message from that is um, respect the potential of these confined definitely. spaces, definitely, and know, know what you're doing. Yes, it's, it's, not, it's not for amateurs. Right, it is not. Well, man, one last question. We're running up on time here. How is the backlog at consultation? You know, we're 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 not swamped. We're steady. Okay, good. I mean, we're not we're not going as hard as we could possibly. I mean, we're we're staying busy. Okay. Um, if anybody has has had an inkling that they might want to participate, now's your chance to get in quick. We, mm-hmm. I mean, if you sign up today. Um, I'm sure by the end of January or February, for sure, we can have a safety guide to you. Good. Uh, industrial hygiene right now is a little a little different. Uh, I have one that's free to work on their own right now. As we had one one guy leave, uh, unfortunately to Iowa. So another reason, oh. another reason not to like Iowa. Oh, really? Sorry, Iowa Eastern, but left for uh, Iowa. Yeah, but it was for enforcement, and he yeah. he was wanting more challenges than gotcha. what you know. So, I, we, but we do have another guy hired. Good. Uh, if OSHA will ever get some classes scheduled, and I can get him trained so that they'll be able to let him work on his own. Yeah. He's going to be great. He's got years of experience doing Good. safety in this type, but a little bit different environment than what you normally see. But Good. he's going to be great. Good. So, well, my, my advice has been, um, you know, we uh, it appears we have a changing administration, and if, if um, history is... You know, any indication, I think the Biden administration, at least from the standpoint of OSHA, will be very much like an Obama administration. And, and the OSHA, I was with OSHA during the Biden, or the Obama administration, and, you know, the agency posture was very aggressive, and uh, we made lots of inspections. And I would encourage you, if you are, uh, if you have not done so for a while, get consultation in, you know, um, you need to know where you stand compliance-wise, where Definitely. your vulnerabilities are. I, I think that um, the guys from Omaha, the Omaha area office, will be active. They will be certainly instructed to be active and to be, if, if that's, you know, maybe a little bit more aggressive perhaps in their approach. So I, I think people need to be doing this now. And as you said, I, get on the calendar. I, I, if, if, I can't disagree with you at all on that. Um, I would I would agree wholeheartedly that if, you have any worries uh, that maybe things aren't quite as way you want them to be? Uh, I would probably get things addressed now, get them while, they, while, while there's a grace period before yeah. before everything hits full force. Yeah, I would agree. Ultimately, there will be a trickle down time. You know, once they have some appointees in the national office and start giving direction to the regional offices, by the time it filters down to the area office, uh, we we do have a little bit of time. And so uh, again. Um, Utilize the services you have available to you, none better than uh, on-site consultation here in Nebraska. And so give Jim a call. Make sure you get on the schedule. Um, I think that's very important. 
Um, I'm, I'm encouraging all of my, my clients to do that. Um, they can use me, certainly, but the, I, I know they can use your guys. Uh, they just need to make sure that they've got their T's, T's crossed and I's dotted and be prepared. Be prepared. <laughs> be prepared. Jimmy, thanks, man. It's always good to see you. Anytime. Thank you for joining me. I look forward to We'll do it again in 2021. Um, I would love to talk more about some of these regulations and some of the things that you've seen over the years. I think that's invaluable to a new safety person uh, or someone in industry who, you know, may not be aware of these things. So we'll plan on doing it again. Look forward to it. Um, happy holidays, everyone. Whatever your holiday is, I hope it's a happy one. Um, and I look forward to hopefully actually – Seeing people again in 2021, that would be nice. Yeah, the house arrest thing is getting old. <laughs> it's getting old, man. Merry Christmas to you, Merry Jim. Merry Christmas, man. Thanks. Sasha, thank you. Thanks, everybody. Um, take care of yourselves out there. Remember why we're doing this, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.